Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast, the show that brings leading minds to discuss the latest challenges and trends transforming, modernizing the energy systems and the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to Enterix, our sponsor for today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm your host, Jason Price of Energy Central and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. With me, as always, from Orlando, Florida's Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, we're seeing a rapidly advancing trend in the utility sector these days where power providers are thinking beyond just their own electricity-carrying wires and implementing broadband networks. Can you share a quick overview of what's driving this? Absolutely. So the, the implementation of broadband for utilities, it's become a critical function in recent years for sure. While moving electrons across the grid, it's always been the currency of the power sector. And of course, that still remains their core mission. A new type of gold has become nearly as valuable to them. And that asset is data. Data and intelligence derived from customers, from generators, from wider energy markets, from sensors all along the grid, and so much more. Accurately accessing, processing, and acting Based upon that ever-present flow and security of data, it allows utilities to optimize their flow of electricity. It allows the modernized grid to be as affordable, reliable, and clean as possible. And really, private broadband networks have largely become the tool to do so. Thanks for that, Matt. Definitely a critical area for any utility that wants to be at the cutting edge and maximize what they're able to do. Like you said, the utility sector is quite focused on grid modernization, and the best path forwards towards the modern grid of tomorrow comes from private wireless broadband communication networks. So this topic is one that can get quite complex, and we're talking about it in the theoretical. So we want to break it down by talking about it in practice as well with what's being done today. So what better way to do so than to have on Power Perspectives a pair of guests that have already made great strides showcasing what can happen when broadband networks team up with the grid. Joining us in this episode of the podcast is Russ Ehrlich, Exelon's Utility Communications Senior Manager. Russ and his team have surveyed all the various factors needed in getting a private broadband solution into Exelon's six utilities that cover over 10 million customers with an eye towards enhancing reliability, resilience, and sustainability across the grid. Exelon did so via network pilot that uncovered the operational savings of these types of broadband capabilities, and we're eager to hear more from Russ on their strategy and ultimate findings. Russ Ehrlich, welcome to the podcast today. Appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to talking with you all. Terrific. Welcome. And Russ isn't our only guest today because Exelon had help in this process from Enterix a leader in implementing private broadband solutions for the utility industry. As our longtime listeners will remember, we had Enterix represented by their CEO, Rob Schwartz, on an episode in November of 2020, alongside the CEO of NIPA, where we discussed how Enterix helped with their rollout of private LTE network. To help tell the story of Exelon's pilot program today, we're joined by Ryan Gerbrandt, Chief Operating Officer at Enterix. Thanks for joining us as well, Ryan. Excellent. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here, you know, with you, Russ, and Matt today. Absolutely. Likewise. So, Russ, let's start with you. Some basic questions. 
what is private LTE and why is Exelon considering the implementation as part of its grid modernization plans? Appreciate the question. I think one of the big things that we start with at Exelon is looking at our communications strategy. And part of that communication strategy and anything with broadband has to be a combination of both a robust fiber backbone along with a wireless solution that will help support what we have coined that last mile. Understanding a lot of the benefits that you get from having your own private fiber backbone layered on top with this high bandwidth communications to support endpoint devices, which are going to be numerous, both current and future, will enable these utility companies, Exelon in particular, which is made up of six regulated utilities, which will enable us to better support all the things you've talked about, the reliability, the sustainability, how you can leverage your assets, reducing O&M expenses, reducing and enabling carbon footprint reduction, big things about consolidating our networks and helping provide new functionality. And we have to be able to do each and every one of those things in a fashion that becomes not at the speed of light, but at a much more rapid pace to be able to support our business and our customer goals. So looking back over the years and looking at how we've done things and also looking forward will enable us to start to shrink the number of legacy systems we have while we start to put things on a unified approach to support much of the future communications needs for these utility customers as well as the utilities themselves. Thanks for that, Russ. So Ryan, over to you. Coming from your perspective at Enterix, is there anything additional you pitch as to why utilities like Exelon should be exploring yeah, this Yeah, great, great question, Jason. I mean, fantastic you know, summary, I would say, from Russ. But what we're finding you know, is that you know, broadband, you know, so the broadband wireless communications component of what I was talking about you know, has become practically imperative to most of the broad objectives that we see, you know, kind of across the utility industry today. And why? Because they, they require data control, visibility, and situational awareness. The idea of digitization, you know, is, is clearly upon us, you know, and so fold in that, you know, kind of the increasing need and urgency around while we build these critical networks addressing kind of the, the cybersecurity concerns. Let me maybe put it in perspective, you know, to, to roll up some of the points that Russ said and certainly that we see I think about it as in the perspective as kind of as EPRI's defined for us, you know, some of the priority objectives for, for the industry, economy-wide decarbonization enabled by electrification and clean electric supply, grid reliability and resilience, you know, and last but not least, certainly is kind of equitable, universal access to safe, reliable, low-cost power. But let me peel that back a little bit. Those we characterize as kind of macro drivers, you know, that, you know, frankly, Exelon and and most, if not all, the utilities across the nation are really trying to deal with. When we think about decarbonization, you know, in a lot of utilities cases, you know, what that encompasses is, you know, kind of a new world of renewables and distributed energy resources. And, and as I said, a migration to electric vehicles. But there's something very different, you know, about the characteristic of those use cases and devices there, particularly when you get into distributed energy resources and renewables, you know, they're clearly much more dynamic than what we've seen, you know, kind of the energy sources and uses, you know, in the current grid, and they tend to be distributed. You know, we inherently see them, you know, across, you know, very large footprints um, of utility estate, 
but at the same time, because they're they're variable, you know, we we really have to focus on you know the issues associated with how making sure when we integrate them, utility can have you know the kind of real time visibility and control of all these very important but distributed assets. And what that drives from a communications perspective is you know by fact that they're spread out, um, you know, geographical footprint that you know being able to address it with you know kind of a wide area technology like broadband, like private LTE on broadband. You know, is really well fit for kind of what that use case is. And the same thing on the visibility, we really think about that from a network's perspective around kind of high performance, you know, and so the ability to carry large amounts of traffic and you know, be able to support, you know, a high number of end devices. And then the other side of it is how quickly we can carry that data. I mean, the network, and we call that latency, you know, literally that translates to the speed, you know, and the responsiveness of the network. Grid reliability and resiliency, on the other hand, clearly not a new issue, you know, but one that I'd argue is not going to get any easier, you know, to either kind of maintain the status quo performance of a network, you know, or frankly to improve. And the reason I say that is, you know, a lot of it's dependent on environmental factors, you know, and whether, you know, as we've been seeing, you know, clearly it's getting more severe, you know, from droughts driving increase in utility caused wildfires to the winter storms creating multi-day outages, summer storms, you know, increasing and more severe hurricanes, you know, all of that, you know, is new environmental factors that utilities need to really think about the design of their of their systems. And the communications network in itself, you know, inherently needs to be, I'll say, more reliable, you know, than the systems that it's built to monitor and support, because it's the system that needs to be up, you know, to help, you know, Russ and customers like Exelon be able to support disaster recovery and get the systems back online, you know, deal with some of these events. And finally, you know, I'd argue probably the most important measure, and actually I say this, you know, not as a technologist, I mean, more as a consumer, is the ability you know, to provide the critical service of energy in a way that's ubiquitous, you know, so meaning to all citizens of the U.S., you know, regardless of how rural or underserved a community may be. And at the end of the day, doing it in a way, you know, that's affordable, um, you know, kind of all while addressing these technology challenges, I'll call them, um, you know, that have previously went through. And Russ hit on an important point there, you know, from an economic point of view, you know, that we've seen with our experience so far that kind of what broadband private LT enables, you know, is a more comprehensive way to think about kind of the last mile or the, the field area network communications needs for utilities. And we like to talk about kind of a broadband network now in the, in the vernacular as a platform, you know, versus what we've seen in, you know, in, in history around more kind of legacy narrow band or single use networks. And in this context, because the platform that we're talking about with broadband is based on a world-class standard, you know, like LTE, you know, it's deployed at scale, you know, all around the world. There's billions, you know, and that's that's billions with the B of devices operating on LTE-based networks globally. And, you know, that creates an economic advantage, you know, to utilities where you can access um, kind of the supply chain and the investment in R&D, you know, and all the longevity that comes with, you know, something as globalized as LTE. But the platform effect, you know, really allows a utility to consolidate um, a lot of the disparate telecom networks down, which creates an, op, you know, an obvious operating cost and capital benefit, you know, to those utilities. And obviously growing from that, you know, which we'll probably talk more about, you know, is really kind of the innovation side, you know, the ability to develop new enhanced services and solutions, you know, that will inherently, you know, increase the value, you know, of, this, of these kinds of platforms over time. And obviously wrapping all around that, um, you know, we really talked, we spent a lot of time talking to utility um, partners about, you know, is the role of increased importance of cyber and physical security, 
you know, a private network we describe as being air-gapped. Um, and so the ability for, for a utility, you know, like Exelon, you know, to be able to build, deploy, and operate, you know, this private piece of telecom infrastructure allows them to better control, um, you know, really build design in from the ground up, you know, the cybersecurity measures, you know, that are fit for purpose to protect against the threat landscape that they see specific to their utility. Staying with you, Ryan, can you take us a bit further into the whole benefits and maybe even the pros and cons of this movement towards consolidation of the legacy communication systems? You talk about the disparate systems, you talk about retiring of devices and retiring of various networks. So what are the ramifications? Ameren, you know, another utility partner, you know, a pioneer now, you know, in, in often building their own broadband network, actually looked at a significant part of their justification precisely, you know, in this way. What they found through history is that over time they had built, you know, what, what they cataloged as upwards of 20, you know, of these discrete networks, each serving, you know, kind of specific needs and use cases, undoubtedly creating value for kind of what it needed to do. And that model is pretty common. You know, we've seen that, you know, kind of through the legacy of as technology has been made available, you know, to the application suite across the utility space, you know, the telecom side or the communication side that enabled a lot of those, those, those applications was really fit for purpose to the specific and unique application that it was focused on. And frankly, it's because there was a missing piece. You know, we, we didn't have a communications platform technology like LTE to be able to really start having these kinds of conversations where we're looking things um, a lot more holistically. But Ameren saw that opportunity and, you know, really leaned in on the capabilities of what a broadband network could do, you know, as they ultimately built out their plan. And it's, you know, in their design, you know, designed to intentionally and gradually replace each one of those 20 networks, you know, with their single broadband, you know, private LTE platform. And, you know, that yields to them, you know, the financial benefits, obviously, in terms of, you know, better aggregating, you know, what their capital spend is necessary to support all of those, those assets today and what grows into the future and create operational efficiencies uh, by not having to continue to maintain, you know, and operate each of those individual platforms. You know, and that, that's transformational thinking to me, um, you know, about how to, how to apply a technology like this to drive this kind of consolidation and, and benefits in the outcomes. Sure. Uh, Russ, over to you. Can you share it all? Is it too early or can you share any of the benefits that you've experienced so far? Well, from a benefits perspective, I guess those will be gained over time. So as Exelon ourselves start to kind of walk down the path and putting together our business cases, top-down models, trying to, to get to a lot of the pieces that Ryan had talked about, understanding the benefit that you do get from a private system as compared to commercial systems as compared to these legacy systems that are out there. So from a benefit perspective, you know, there's financial benefits that come there from the world of our ability to scale, integrate, bring these solutions to market for our customers a lot quicker. We can look at things both from a financial perspective as well as our ability to support. And, and one of the things we talked about was some of the environmental benefits that you get from some of these broadband networks, our ability to do more things remotely, reducing truck rolls and things like that. They can all be monetized at some point. And as companies and, and people go through putting their business cases together, you start to show what those true benefits do become. So, you know, there's the technology benefit we talked about. There's the security benefits. There's the integration. There's the private aspect of any communication network that is privately owned, maintained, and supported. 
our abilities to go through and work on our equipment, make sure that we've got redundancy and reliability built into these networks that support a utility-grade network transmission distribution to be able to support situational awareness. You know, some of the things that Ryan kind of talked about was, and we hear about it from NBIOT and IOT and DERs and BESSs. We talk about a lot of these battery energy storage systems. We talk about a lot of these new technologies that are coming down the pike. And we have to make sure that our system operators and folks have visibility to their devices, to those devices that are now being brought onto the system because our transmission and distribution and generation assets, not specifically working the same way that they were originally worked out for in previous years. So you have to think about bi-directional energy flow from a customer back into a network. You have to be able to make sure that you can still provide your protection and control. And you also have to still make sure that you can respond to customer outages. So a lot of different benefits are derived from putting in these private systems. Yeah, well, you know, the Energy Central audience is always asking what comes next from the investment. So, you know, staying with you, Russ, given the investment and the time and resources that you've made for this private broadband network, you know, especially getting it off the ground and all, I'm assuming your team is seeking other opportunities down the road. Like what's the what's the art of the possible, right? So can you share with us perhaps what are some emerging technologies that you're anticipating from this? Yeah, and I think and one of the big things to mention about Exelon is, like I say, I think we are, you know, we are on the early stages of developing, deploying a broadband private network. So thinking about the foundational aspects of what's needed to support that. And I think, as we mentioned earlier in the day, it was building off of private fiber. So fiber being the backbone really becomes some of the first things that you have to do. And you really have to start to look at what are the devices that you want to connect either directly to fiber or where do you start to leverage this wireless technology to be able to support new things that are coming down. For example, we talk about virtual reality and artificial intelligence. Those become types of things that require higher and higher bandwidth capabilities. How do we make sure we, from a utility standpoint, can provide that to our field resources? How do you have somebody who's sitting out in the field looking at a device, being able to have that communication tied back into somebody in our system operations? Three-part communication, adding visibility to that, it just helps out our ability to operate in a much more cohesive, safe manner. So I think those become a couple of the real things that additional bandwidth kind of drives for you. We talk about video capabilities. One of the big pieces, unfortunately, that utilities face today is theft of service and or theft of copper or different types of things where folks are kind of getting into our facilities and having the infrastructure that enables you to look at real time or near real time of what's going on at your critical substations and other areas so you can start to protect or better protect or respond to these really start to come out of your ability to communicate in a more expedient fashion. So there are many, many different possibilities, use cases, business cases that are out there. We see a tremendous amount of distributed energy resources coming down, being put onto our distribution networks. 
being able to keep in real time the flow of that data as we talked about breaker status, open, close, kilowatts coming in, kilowatts going out, it becomes a much more complicated equation to solve than just plugging in, turning your light switch, and having the lights come on or having heat come on to be able to support our customers. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to ask you more about the customer. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's what is the impact on the customer? So can you Talk a little bit about the offerings or benefits that the customer will get that they may not necessarily see or experience firsthand right away. One of the biggest benefits that we always try to do with any of our utility assets or utility investments is to drive to higher reliability and higher reliability for our customers, whether it be the delivery of electric and or natural gas to our customers to be able to support their needs is really kind of the crux of what we hope to get to with this. Future things that we look at is how do we better enable our customers, our customers' new systems, whether they be solar systems or whether they be electric vehicle charging facilities that are now becoming integrated with our distribution networks. How do we make sure that we are aware of, we talked about it before, the kilowatt flow back and forth, making sure that the customer's lights are on, making sure that they're, you know, we keep their bills in check. So it's not always, you know, keep spending, 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 because every investment that we make from a utility standpoint, unfortunately, has to be paid for, you know, from our rate base. So making sure that we're working with our regulatory folks to come back with prudent investments that help benefit you know, the reliability, the resilience that ultimately get back down to that end customer so we can provide the services that our utility charters are set out for are a couple of the bigger things that we hope to get out of these private systems that are out there. Over to you, Ryan. I want to ask you more of a sort of a national landscape view because that's the position that you're in. You see more of a broader national focus here regarding the role of regulatory approval. Frankly, you know, just positive alignment to, you know, enabling uh, these kinds of opportunities for, um, you know, for utilities. I mean, first, obviously for us, um, you know, was kind of the FCC proceeding, um, you know, the report and order that enabled, you know, kind of the, the broadband access to the 900 megahertz spectrum that, that Enteryx um, owns. You know, in that, you know, obviously there's a lot of stakeholdering necessary to be able to get through that process. And, you know, as a result, the, F the FCC... And, you know, and the other stakeholders, you know, clearly recognize, you know, the need to make available broadband spectrum, you know, for this specific use, you know, in critical infrastructure, um, you know, particularly targeting, you know, how to deploy it and use spectrum with, with utilities. And a lot of folks, you know, who are probably less familiar with, with kind of the, the spectrum landscape may not really appreciate just, just how scarce spectrum really is, you know, especially what we call low band spectrum, um, you know, in the space, which, which is defined as spectrum below one, one gigahertz, you know, which is what we're talking about here today. There's a lot of competition, you know, to get that remaining low band spectrum, you know, for what's available, you know, and especially, you know, for broadband use outside of the nation's carriers, um, you know, have really consumed the vast majority of it, um, you know, over the years. But, the FCC, you know, kind of recognized the importance um, to the future of, of our utility industry, you know, and supported Enterex and our stakeholders with, with making this newly structured broadband allocation available. Second example, 
that same kind of recognition and support, you know, is invisible throughout, you know, the new Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, you know, where there's actually multiple provisions, you know, recognized in that legislation that provide opportunities to fund broadband, you know, for utilities. And that's more than the funding, you know, that, that I'm really noting there. You know, again, that process, which was broadly stakeholder across a variety of different groups, you know, really was targeting, you know, trying to define relevant topical areas that could really drive value, um, you know, in terms of enhancing the position of our, of our nation's utility operators. And, you know, through that recognition, you know, is, is really a good direction in terms of the support and kind of what we're seeing from the federal legislative side of things. Um, and maybe one more about just on that, you know, we're seeing similar kind of recognition, you know, frankly, for, for the value of broadband and support of utilities who are pursuing it through the state level utility commissions um, and through organizations like NARUC, you know, where the utility commissioners of the states come together to really talk about, you know, some of these more topical items and the overall direction of policy, um, you know, and the applicability of technologies like private broadband to, to the future of the grid. That's great. We have one more question before we let you guys go. So uh, and we want to hear from both of you, if you don't mind. So it's basically around the, the base of the national trends among utilities. There's an economical principle that I've used, you know, called the network effect. You know, what it describes is really a phenomenon by which the value of a user, um, you know, really what a user drives, you know, from a good or service that depends on the number of users, you know, using a compatible product. And it's exactly the same way, you know, we really see kind of the future opportunity or the collective benefits associated with private broadband and that the value expands, you know, for each of the utilities who join on using a standardized platform. And it does so, you know, we're just kind of hit on some of these points, you know, by increasing an individual's access to innovation, applications, research and development, services, you know, and, and simply scale, um, you know, the economies of scale that come as a result. And to some extent, just to give an example where we're seeing this already, we launched last year something that we call the Active Ecosystem Program. And the goal of it was really to drive collaboration um, across the entire PLT landscape to help bring a more comprehensive set of solutions and bring kind of common interests to participate, you know, in conversations around solution design in, in support of utilities like Bresson at, at Exelon. We launched that system, like I said, less than a year ago, you know, with 37 companies, you know, and now already we've got over 75 participants. That's a network effect. That's already creating platform value, you know, by driving the exact type of innovation, investment and forward looking applications, you know, that we think will continue to spur innovation and, um, and solutions for utilities like Exelon. And as I said, that's something that really comes as a result, you know, of kind of the collaborative nationwide thinking, you know, as we start building scale um, and developing the outcomes, you know, on top of these common platforms. And Russ, how about you? What would you add to that as you look at Exelon's future with private broadband networks? I appreciate, again, Ryan, you know, with that answer, because I think one of the really unique things that comes from what we're talking about is standardization in being able to build networks off of standard platforms, off of interoperable technologies, enable utilities, enable our customers, enable the vendors, you know, as, as Ryan just talked about, this ecosystem of endpoints now all can work to a same platform. It's going to help a utility, you know, whether it be Exelon or any of the other utilities who are, who are looking at 
broadband adoption to be able to leverage the, in this case, let's say it's the 3GPP standard that's out there. And there's a very robust ecosystem of endpoint devices that can work underneath that. So I think part of what we're seeing with this adoption of broadband and common spectrum and common network infrastructure from a lot of the big players that are out there, it really does enable group of companies to continue to grow their offerings for any utility company, for any endpoint device that might be integrated into these networks. And I think when you get into that realm, you start to realize some of the benefits that we had talked about earlier on. You alleviate the number of desperate systems that you need to have because now you can put it on one platform. You then go ahead and start to reduce your O&M expenses that are out there because you have, again, a single platform that you're going to be able to operate on. It's scalable. So you have that capability of continuing to build out your infrastructure to be able to support more and more use cases or business cases that are out there for us. So I think being able to, to come to this adoption of not just broadband itself, it's each of the components that build on these networks that really come back that valuable ecosystem out there that helps you drive an end-to-end -end solution to be able to support the utilities, our customers, all in at that point. I believe so. I would agree. Really, you know, want to thank you for your thoughtful conversation here and insight. Um, it's, it's been really valuable to learn more about the private broadband trends, both from the utility perspective and from the view of the solution provider. So I'm sure we'll get plenty of questions and feedback on this episode when it's posted on energycentral.com. So hopefully you both can come back, give us an update of where you are, say, a year from now. In the meantime, I want to thank you both for your time today and for sharing with the Energy Central audience in today's episode. You can always reach Russ and Ryan through the Energy Central platform where, where they welcome your questions and comments. We also want to give a shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsors that made today's episode possible, to Enterix. Enterix is a communications technology company where utility meets connectivity. Its transformative broadband enables the modernization of critical infrastructure for the energy and utility, transportation, logistics, and other sectors of our economy. Visit enterics.com. Once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast.